well, it's Christmas time. And there's always all kinds of questions about what in the Old Testament actually points to who Jesus is. How do we know that Jesus is the promised Messiah? Today on the Midweek Move, we're going to talk about that. scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And ladies and gentlemen, it's Christmas time. It's a wonderful and joyous time of the year. And uh, we thought we'd, uh, since we've exited the book of James, uh, Pastor Scott and I thought, well, let's, uh, let's focus on the, the reason for the season, if you will, for a little bit. There it is. And, uh, and that is Jesus. And um, there is so much we could do. <laughs> So much we could do with this whole conversation. And well, when we first started talking about, hey, let's do the prophecies of the coming Messiah, mm-hmm. it sounded awesome until you start looking at all the prophecies of the Messiah. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to, this is all of 2023. Yeah, exactly. So we've, we've narrowed it down to several of the ones that are just about the birth of the Messiah. Because this is a, this is legitimately a contention. This is a question people have, like, you know, how do we know Jesus was the Messiah? What, how does this equal up to be us? And, so we're going to walk through that together, and um, and ultimately one of the one of the key, not just places of contention, Dallas, but one of the key um, um, doctrines, not of the church of our faith, mm. being challenged in the in the day that we live in, and that is the virgin birth. Yes, and um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Not necessarily <laughs> opinions, but I believe Scripture backs it up. Absolutely, that we're going to walk through today because we believe on the midweek move that we don't we don't really. Yes, we love the tribe we're a part of. Yes, we love the greater tribe we're a part of. Sure, but we're not stuck to a tribal mindset of interpretation. Right. We want to know what does the Word of God say. Right. In context. And is backed up in other contexts, in greater contexts. Exactly. So we're going to dig into that a yeah. little bit. And we're also going to say that we don't have all the answers. <laughs> yeah. We're not perfect. We're not. And that there are many scriptures that are open to interpretation. Sure. We have to be careful, though, that we don't go extra biblical in that interpretation, that we go outside the scripture to try to find something right. that fits our context of what we think it means. Exactly. Which kind of leads us into our first question I have for you. One of the questions people have about prophecy is that when we look at the Old Testament, we see these prophetic words that are given. They are, they're grounded in a time and space. And some of those ones we're going to talk about, we're going to say that there was an immediate fulfillment of these. Yep. But they're also mirrored into the future. They're, they're the Jesus, they're uh, prophetically speaking to Jesus. How do we, like, do, how does that work out? How do we... Uh, Let me start by saying that? this. It's difficult. Yeah, yeah. Because especially, like, lately I've been reading the Old Testament prophets. Mm-hmm. Well, when you read Jeremiah, Jeremiah can be given a prophecy about right then. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I would call it near future. Yeah. Say days, weeks, months. Mm-hmm. And yet that same prophetic word has a context for years mm. down the road to an entire different generation. Mm-hmm. So I give you a future and a hope. Well, that sounds awesome. We're going into, you know, we're going into captivity. Right. So that means we're going to be delivered out of captivity. And he says, no, this is not really for you. This is to encourage you. Right. This is actually for your children and your children's children. Exactly. So you're 70 years down the road. But then it has even a greater meaning, even hundreds of years past that. Mm-hmm. Isaiah, in one narrative chapter, 
can be giving a prophecy talking about what was, mm-hmm. what is, what is to come in the near future, and then what is to come in the future future, and then what is to come in the eternal future. Right. In one narrative chapter. So when you read like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Hosea, a lot of these different minor prophets and major prophets, what you find is a contextualization that says they're talking about what was, what's going on right now and what God has for us. Right. And then this is going to happen right here. And then this is going to happen right here. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, hundreds of years later, Mm -hmm. this is going to happen and it has to do with this. And by the way, it also has an eternal promise. Mm. And so when we read the Word of God, we need to make sure in that contextualization that we're also not making the mistake of keeping it only in the context of that moment, Mm -hmm. because actually those prophets are talking about something that's to come. Right. And I think that's where a lot of even theologians Mm -hmm. blow it. Yeah, yeah. Because they use the word context, but Mm -hmm. what they're saying is this only applies to this person. Right. When really the promise that's being given applies to that person and then the next generation of believers Mm -hmm. and the next generation of believers and the next generation of believers. I immediately think of Joel, Mm -hmm. the prophecies of Joel, uh, Joel chapter two in the last days. Well, the one connotation of last days meant the days that were going to end for that generation. Mm -hmm. Then another context of the last days meant when the Holy spirit would be poured out in Acts chapter two. Right. And then some would say, Oh, it was fulfilled then. But if you look at the prophecy and then you look at what Peter says in Acts 2, it means to your children's children and your children's children's Mm -hmm. children and your great-grandchildren and to the uttermost parts of the earth to the end of days. Mm -hmm. That's the fulfillment of Joel's full prophecy. So there's a partial fulfillment, and then there is a totality of it in its fulfillment. And I think we can even box in the Word of God Mm -hmm. that the words of God— like in Christ, the promises of God are yes and amen. Right. Which means it was for this generation to this generation to this generation to this generation. Right. I think the problem that people run into, though, is because there, there is a fear of people taking things out of context and running wild with it, which has happened. Absolutely. And the problem is that we, 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 we mishandle the scriptures and that we go, okay, this could be for a future time frame. But when we try to apply it to a future time frame, we're discounting the rest of the scriptures. No doubt. And we can even do that like Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 with mm-hmm. Abram. Mm-hmm. So there was a covenant with him, but there were promises. Right. Well, the covenant was everlasting. Right. You don't do anything. Mm-hmm. This is a covenant. Right. But the promises were, if you do this, right. if your children do this, if your grandchildren do this, mm-hmm. right, this promise is to you, to your children. And then for Abraham, we know that like the sands of the seas to your descendants. Right. Like the promise of the land that would be given in the end of time wasn't for Abraham. Right. It was for his descendants. Exactly. Which takes us all the way to the coming of Jesus and what the land will look like at the coming of Jesus. Right. It's another great example of covenant versus promise. Right. Covenant, promise, promise to this people, right. but then a promise to future generations. Absolutely. So as we go through this, we're going to look at some promises and are some prophecy that was for a moment for sure, but mm-hmm. there was a few, there are future things. And we could, literally, guys, we could spend three or four podcasts on just one of these verses we're going to cover today. That's right. Just to cover the context of the Old Testament, New Testament, how everything fleshes out correctly. Yep. And we want to encourage you as you guys, you're diving into the scriptures. When you go to apply things, Look at the entirety of the word, Old Testament, New Testament, 
and make sure you're not walking in things that aren't appropriate. Uh, I can promise you, uh, random person listening, God's not promised you the land of Abraham. He's promised that to Abram and his family, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which we are grafted in if we were in Christ. We are grafted <laughs> into the covenant promise, right? which is salvation through right. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Again, it's the whole Romans principle. What advantage has the Jew? Much in every way as committed to them was the oracles of God. They're a covenant people. Right. Well, does that mean that they just automatically get into heaven just because they're a covenant people? Right. No, because all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. What advantage has the Jew in salvation? None, none, none at all, because there are none righteous. No, none at all. You all have to go through Jesus. So there is this uh, totality of promises, covenant, context. Man, I, I've been so discouraged hearing people that have been in 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 places that taught, oh, you can't learn anything from this because it was just for Nehemiah. Mm. That is grieving to my heart. Yeah. The whole word of God has been given to us mm-hmm. to learn from, to right. grow and mature in right. Jesus for from teaching, the word of God. Encouraging for rebuke. Like, okay, no, I'm not rebuilding the gates like Nehemiah, <laughs> but there are principles that God taught them that he put in that word right. for Scott Absolutely. to learn from those principles in that word. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into it, guys. We're going to be uh, starting off, we're going to look into Isaiah chapter 7, which is a lot happening in Isaiah. Isaiah was a, uh, ooh, he was a prophet at an interesting time, to say the least. The Israel was uh, not one country, but two. It was separated in two. And uh, you had Ahaz, who was an ungodly ruler, uh, who was on the throne of David uh, in Israel, and he was facing defeat in battle. And God sent Isaiah to assure him that he would protect, he being God, would yep. protect Judah and the throne of David against invasions. Uh, But amid these prophetic words spoken, Isaiah gives these prophetic words about Jesus' birth. And that's in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which... Well, what would say a prophecy about Jesus' birth? We're going to kind of cover that a little bit. (laughs) So Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Stop right there. Give who a sign? Well, it's speaking directly to the people um, of Israel. And and specifically to Ahaz. Right. So, therefore, the Lord himself will give you, mm-hmm. Ahaz, a sign. Right. So that right there already begins a process of now you've got to wrestle with something right. because of what comes after it. Go ahead. Exactly. Um, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, the word virgin there is the Hebrew word Alma. Right which brings in some of the contention. It does, because the word could mean a virgin, as in a woman who was um, sexually pure until marriage, or it could mean a just a, a young lady. Young woman. And so that's where some of the contention is coming in place where people are, have, um, they're suggesting perhaps our story about Mary being a virgin, not being accurate, not being true, to the point that there was a, there was a popular, you remember this, there was a popular preacher uh, back in the early 2000s, and he he is famously or infamously quoted going, "If you find out that Mary wasn't really a virgin, would that rock your faith?" To which I say, "Yes, because that's not what the Word of God says." Yeah, but this but is that the comes from that Septuagint version of the word Parthenos, mm-hmm. which then lays over to virgin slash sexually pure, and some contend that that translation was given to quote-unquote, affirm right. or confirm 
the the virgin birth of Jesus. Right, which it wasn't. Like no. it, I mean, when you look at it, if I remember correctly, Septuagint was largely worked on upon by Jewish scholars who were also reworking the Old Testament because they rewrote the the Old Testament into Greek, and they put that word there also to have pothanos. It was a virgin birth. It was not a just a young woman, but it was a virgin. Yeah, and some would say that they were even doing this post mm-hmm. to try to confirm that Jesus was, quote-unquote, fulfilling this scripture. But when you look at that word Alma, that word can't even be translated specifically just meaning a young woman mm-hmm. because it was the, the context of that word Alma was not just young woman, but young woman pre-marriage. Mm. So when you look at young woman pre-marriage in the Hebrew culture, she's chaste. Right. She's pure. Right. Which means she's a virgin. Mm-hmm. Physically, she's a virgin. Right. And so even that argument doesn't stand even the test of time mm-hmm. because even their their translation of that Hebrew word Alma is not even fully correct because the word Alma could mean physical virgin. Right. Not just young woman. Exactly. The ones who want to argue this text will immediately go to this. Young mm-hmm. woman. That word is young woman. They changed it in the Septuagint to make it fit this narrative. Right. But that's incorrect. And and you can hear that from theologians who are Jews who became Messianic. Mm-hmm. Dr. Michael Brown is a great example. Yeah. He does an amazing teaching on this mm-hmm. of the breakdown of Alma and Parthenos and how the argument that has tried to be made for Alma doesn't even stand the test of the Scripture itself in exactly. this one verse. Because, again, young woman leans towards young pre-married woman in Hebrew culture is chaste or she will never be betrothed to this man. Right, exactly, which was part of the contention we see in the New Testament when it comes out that Mary is pregnant as a virgin and uh, uh, the angel has to tell Joseph, hey, don't kill your your bride-to-be. Because in that culture, if she was not chaste, she was liable to be killed. Because, again, this doesn't even take into account Matthew's account. Right. That when the Gospel of Matthew comes in and specifically says virgin, mm-hmm. it is not young woman. It is that, and again, it's not the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. It's the virgin conception. Mm-hmm. Even our language sometimes betrays it because then it takes on that it was some kind of supernatural birth. No, Mary naturally birthed Jesus. Right. Just like all of us were birthed through a, you know, unless it was a C section, but right. but there was a natural birth, childbirth, right. mm-hmm. where this, this child came forth uh, like at any natural birth. Right. It was not supernatural. She gave birth to this baby. Yeah, she but labored. The conception of it was virginal. Mm-hmm. It was a virginal conception, not a virginal birth. Right. The birth was natural, but the conception of it was supernatural. And then you go over to Luke chapter 1, and even in Ver- Mary's own words, I have not known a man. Right. She knows a lot of men in our context <laughs> of knowing. Right. But in that day, knowing meant a sexual, physical relationship with a man. Exactly. In her own words, she had had, she had not had that. Mm-hmm. My husband's not going to believe this. Right. People are not going to believe this. Right. Conceived by who? The Holy Spirit, a virginal. Con- so they can argue this Alma word all they want along with Parthenos, but again, Matthew's 
uh, words are not trying to fit a narrative after the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It is confirming what Isaiah 7, 14 laid out all along, exactly. and they think it's opposite. Right. So let me ask this. What's the big deal about it being a virginal birth? Why is that important? Or a virginal conception, if you will. Well, in order to be the only begotten son of God, it has to be a virginal conception. Right. It cannot be the seed of a man. Mm -hmm. It has to be, It you know, the seed has to come from heaven. It mm -hmm. has to be godly. Right. The, the, the egg portion of it, the, 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 the manifestation had to come from a woman. Right. That goes all the way back to Genesis. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the importance of the virgin birth, that in order for it to be the only begotten son of God, mm -hmm. it has to be supernatural. Right. Not the birth, right. the conception. Exactly. Which, again, I think our own terminology sometimes confuses people who don't believe in God or who don't believe in the virgin birth mm -hmm. because they immediately go to birth and not conception. I can see that. So let's, let's look at this last bit of this. It says, shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? Because like, in the New Testament, we, it's, it's Jesus, not Emmanuel. So what's happening here? Well, in, again, in the context of this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Right. So this isn't just, this is my opinion mm -hmm. in everything I've studied in Scripture. This isn't just a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It is a prophecy to Ahaz. Ahaz wasn't alive when Jesus came. Right. The Word of God says the Lord himself will give you mm -hmm. a sign. Now, we know that there, was, there were several births during this time mm -hmm. that, could have brought victory for Israel, but because Ahaz didn't receive the word of the Lord and went to the king of Assyria mm -hmm. and depended upon him, they were ravaged. Right. So he was given a word from the Lord. Mm -hmm. This will happen. Right. This can happen. And yet he went against the word of the Lord. Right. So again, therefore the Lord himself will give you, Ahaz, a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, Alma, that word meaning young woman. There were several young women during that time who gave birth mm -hmm. to key figures and key children. Right. Isaiah's child being one of those, mm -hmm. giving birth to those, those children. And Emmanuel not only meant God is with us, mm -hmm. but also with us is God. Mm -hmm. So God's the one who gave the word to them. Mm-hmm. What would they say when God would give a word to them in the Hebrew culture in the Old Testament? God is with us. Right. God has spoken to us. God has given a word to us. God is with us. So again, it it's not that it's pulled out of context and only has meaning for Jesus coming, mm -hmm. but it all ha also has meaning to the to the to Judah at that time. It had meaning. Right. But yet, then what it speaks to moving forward mm -hmm. is we find it in Matthew. It shall be called Emmanuel. God is with us. Mm. The seed, the only begotten son of God. Now God is not just distant. He's not just a cloud. Mm -hmm. He's not just fire. Right. He's not just with you, quote unquote, in the wilderness in some form or fashion. He's not just written on tablets. He's not just on a mountain that you're afraid to go. He literally is coming to you in the form right. of humanity. Right. God is with you. Right. And it's also important for people to understand, though, that in this time frame, it, names were important. And so it wasn't always just a matter of, like, this is my name. I mean, your name is is Scott. My name is Dallas. They have different meanings. 
our parents may or may not have had really thought about what those names meant. Right. I know that there's some contention about your first name, but <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, in this time frame, it was important for them. So when we say that, yes, Jesus's name is Jesus, or well, Joshua, we'll get into that, Yeshua. Uh, Yeshua. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a descriptive. God with us. He was God with us. He yep. is God in the flesh with us here today. One of the arguments about Jesus and, and him being divine was, you know, well, he walked as a man. Well, the description of it, he is God with us. He is the physical embodiment of God with us on earth at this time, coming through the the virgin conception, if you will. Well, it's just like um, uh, Isaiah 9, 6 that talks about all the different uh, all these different things, eternal uh, uh, father, mm-hmm. prince of peace, all these different words or titles, all of those are very descriptive mm-hmm. of of Jesus coming and how he would come. A son, you know, uh, a child will be born. That meant humanity. Mm-hmm. A son is coming. That meant divinity. Like all those different names meant something. We just talked about this two weeks ago. Um, Ichabod, she names him Ichabod. Right. Well, Okay, it's Ichabod. No, 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 no. My life is over. Hope is lost. The glory of God has departed. Mm-hmm. Ichabod means the glory is departed. God right. is not with me. Right. She literally names this child the meaning being this is what she was feeling in the moment of her consequences right. and her circumstances, where Mary gets a word from the Lord and says, no, I refuse to name my child according to my circumstances. Confusion. How am I going to tell my husband that I've been conceived by the Holy Spirit. How is all this going to take place? No, this is what the Lord said. The angel of the Lord said, you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the the meaning of names, it is a, um, it goes all the way back (laughs) throughout the entire word of God. And that's why when we read the word of God, it's important for us to know what those names mean in that current culture. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, We could spend a couple more podcasts just talking about this one verse, but I want to, I want to keep this kind of this train rolling because there's two more verses. There's two verses. I want to, I want to kind of talk together, group together. First one is Isaiah chapter 11, verse one. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And then there's Jeremiah 23, five behold in uh, the days are coming, says the Lord that I will raise a raise to David, a branch of righteousness a king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Now, these are two, uh, again, they're considered messianic uh, verses pointing to Jesus, to who he is. And they all seem to point back to the lineage of David mm-hmm. for some reason. What, what, why is that? Why is this connection to the Davidic line? Well, it's the fulfillment of prophecy. So, Going all the way back, it's been prophesied all throughout those those years mm-hmm. that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. Mm-hmm. And that, now you have to go to genealogy and trace it. Mm-hmm. And does it line up? Because again, does the natural line up with the supernatural prophecy? Right. Does it happen the way that it was prophesied? If you have no lineage back to David, then you do not have the Messiah. Right. It's not just the begotten son of God, but the prophecies were son of David. The lineage of David had to come out of David's lineage. That's why the genealogy in Matthew and the genealogies are so important because it all ties back and it all goes back to the lineage of David. Right. Um, we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, 
you know, that was a big contention in Israel for, for many, many years for people who didn't want to believe in Jesus mm-hmm. was that there was no quote unquote evidence of David. If there's no evidence of David, King David, mm-hmm. then we can disprove Jesus right. as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Where when they were in the northern part, one of the northernmost parts of, of Israel in Tel Dan, and this group of students are there, archaeology students, and somebody's just brushing the ground and they brush and they find a coin. Mm. And it was a coin from the enemies of David touting how they had defeated King David in battle and they had put it on coins. Well, if you knew anything about those days, that's what you did. Mm-hmm. Like things were imprinted and they were recorded mm-hmm. of victories of battle, especially against somebody like King David. Right. When they find that, it's actually the enemy's pride that then proves that there was a King David, <laughs> which then allowed them to unearth things to even today, all these years later, where the city of David now in Jerusalem is being unearthed, and they have literally found the city of David. That's crazy. So if you find the city of David, that means there was King David. Right. If you find David, the root of Jesse, mm-hmm. birthed out of that, then you can tie Jesus all the way back to that. He did fulfill those prophecies. Right. So without David, there is no attachment to being the son of David. Yeah. I, I read something interesting. I was talking about this first portion. The uh, There shall be call, uh, come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch will grow out of it. And um, it's it's very poetic language, but it talks about the basically the point of it is that um, God's going to make a way through the mangled mess that have become the divinic line, if you will, out mm-hmm. of Jesse. Because, again, Israel's been split apart. You have people sitting on the throne of David that mm, they're not really supposed to be there. And what it's saying in, in, in Isaiah, it's like God's going to draw a line all the way back to Jesse, and it's going to look gnarly, it's going to look crazy, it's going to look twisted around, but it will be clear that this was a branch. This is what's supposed to take place. And when you look at the lineage of Jesus, in Matthew, there's all kinds of crazy twists and turns in that lineage. Like you and I, we talked about this before in the podcast that if we were writing the lineage of, of Jesus, we would leave more than just a few names out. Right. We would. No doubt. <laughs> Especially the fact there were Gentiles in that and there were women. Right. Women Gentiles. Right. That was a no no in genealogy. Mm-hmm. Not only did you not put Gentiles, mm-hmm. but you didn't put women. Right. And so the fact that those are in there. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus isn't trying to erase his family history. Right. Because that is what ties him back to the ancient prophecies. Exactly. And being the fulfillment of those ancient prophecies. Exactly. And so within these two prophe- these things, we have the, the, the vocabulary, A, that it's it's going to be a winding, twisting road leading back to the where it's supposed to be. But it's going to be part Which of- leans back even to the actual trees. Mm-hmm. In Israel. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, and how you connect even with... What are those trees called? Like the olive trees. Yeah, yeah. Even when you... It's all a mangled mess mm-hmm. that weaves together. Right. And then it says, out of that are going to be these wild shoots. Mm-hmm. Well, if you know anything about it, especially like at uh, where the Garden of Gethsemane is. Mm-hmm. And in that, there's a church structure there. I believe the Catholic Church owns that. Uh, there's a church structure there, but they have some of the original trees there. Mm. And you see these mangled messes of trees, but you see these shoots that are coming out of the bottom of it, mm-hmm. out of the roots, these shoots we would be called those wild shoots that mm. come out of that, right? Which is grafted into Abraham. Yeah. Where then Jesus brings it in the gospel to, no, I am the vine. Now you are the branches, <laughs> right. right? You are the branch. I am the vine. The father is the vine dresser. He cares for all of it. 
but you have got to stay attached to me, mm-hmm. not Israel, me, right? Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you are the branches now. And we've been grafted into that vine through Christ, who's broken down the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. And then we know in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' household, Cornelius the Gentile, boom, explosive growth. Now the gospel's open to everybody. The middle wall of separation is gone. Right. We're now grafted in all the way back to Abraham and that mangled mess <laughs> and where these wild shoots. But then what did Jesus also say? Well, now these branches, now they have to be pruned. Yeah. <laughs> right? What's that pruning? Well, that comes through the Holy Spirit now who is with us, the mm-hmm. conviction of the Holy Spirit now. Right. And also the Word of God that is a two-edged sword that separates all of that stuff. So it all, I mean, all this stuff, <laughs> you know, even when we talk about, you know, where is this like confirmed in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. Well, I know you had put in the note, uh, the note part of it, Luke chapter two, Joseph registering as part of the house of David. Yeah. Goes all the way back. If you look at the gospels, <clears throat> Jesus is continually called the son of David in the yep. gospels. You look at the book of Acts, he's called the son of David. Peter in his in his uh, exhortation and his expository message from beginning to end, mm-hmm. when he quotes the prophet Joel, uh, that this is not fully right. done, but it's partially what Joel said. Then he goes into, David, our father, is buried right here. And then this Jesus that you crucified, like he, he ties it all together. Then you go to Romans chapter 1. Son of David. Mm-hmm. It all ties back, and it's not adding things on the back end to try to confirm that. Right. It's stuff that's already been put in there. Exactly. I mean, it's a very clear line back to the line David for Jesus. So this next verse I want to look into then, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, um, which uh, five points to you if you read Micah, because that's one of those books that people forget about for some reason. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but that's also another one where you can find a a right now prophecy is also a near future prophecy is mm-hmm. also a future prophecy is also a future future eternal prophecy exactly so verse 5 uh, i mean sorry verse 2 of chapter 5 but you bethlehem ephrath i can't say this word for some reason uh though you are little among the thousands of judah yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of israel Whose going forth are go are from old from everlasting. What is happening in this verse, Pastor? Well, again, it ties it back to Judah now, mm-hmm. and so out of you shall come forth to be one uh, to me, the one to be ruler in Israel. Again, you had Judah and you had Israel, and so you had a division. Jesus is called the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. Judah. He had to come out of Judah, just like. Son of David, same thing, tribe of Judah. There has to be a lineage there. Right. He shall come forth to do what? To be ruler of all. Mm. Now, some would go, okay, that's Jews. But again, you go to you go to Romans, mm-hmm. and then it's not just to the Jew, but to the Gentile, and he breaks down the middle wall of separation. Right. And so uh, again, you know, you had in here where it's fulfilled in Luke chapter two. Right. Again, if you've not read Luke lately, man, Luke chapter one, Luke chapter two. Some great stuff in there. Oh my gosh. Not just about Jesus, but about John the Baptist, the forerunner. Man, there's just so much powerful, absolutely uh, powerful stuff in there. I want to point out an interesting connection with 
the, the term Bethlehem means the house of bread, yep. which Jesus is known for saying, take this is my body as he breaks the bread. He goes, eat of this, this is me. And it's interesting that out of the house of bread comes the living bread for us, Jesus. And uh, he's also called the bread of life. Yeah. And then he's also called manna that come from heaven. And then you go all the way to Exodus. You go all the way to Moses when the manna would come from heaven, when God was pouring out manna to them every single day. Right. Well, it didn't come down as loaves of bread or right. pieces of bread. It came as seed, right. coriander seed. They would come out in the morning, and it would say that it was on the ground like a hoarfrost. I mean, you've heard this for years. Yeah. I've taught this for years. But people forget this. Mm -hmm. They would go out, and they would gather um, their omer, which was like a maybe two-and-a-half-quart mm -hmm. uh, jar, and they would gather the seed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't prepared already. They would have to prepare it. Yeah. But they would gather the seed. Well, if they had pride and they tried to gather too much and tried to bring it into their household the moment they stepped through the door, right. boom, all they had was an omer. Right. If they were false humility and they, oh, I want everybody else to have more than me, right. when they walked through the door, they had a full omer. But that was seed. It was like a, the Bible says it was like a coriander seed. Right. Coriander seed is a small little seed which happens to be white, which happens to be striped, came from heaven. Mm. And then they took that and they put that together and they fired it and they and they they flattened it and they pierced it and they put fire to it. Mm. And then they would break it. Mm. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, like thousands of years. Yeah. And Jesus is found in all of it to the point of even where it's prophesied he would come from mm -hmm. is the house of bread, and he's the bread of life coming out of the house of bread for everyone. Right. And it's not a mistake that Bethlehem is one of the most contentious places to visit in all of Israel. Mm. I think I knew that. I think you told me that before. It's a very contentious place because of some of the... Um just some of the political things that take place in the natural, but just in the supernatural. Sometimes they won't allow Jewish guides to go in right. at all. Man, <laughs> that's so crazy. But you can find that in, in a lot of these areas, and that just shows us the expansiveness of God, mm -hmm. that it's not just about people, but it's also about land. Right. Like, our God is a creative God, and he created it all. And sometimes we only look at the people involved, but man, when specifically when you're talking about Israel, mm -hmm. you have to talk about the land. Yeah. Because that's part of the covenant mm -hmm. and it's part of the promise. Right. And it's part of the reason why when Jesus came, a lot of things he had to say wasn't just about salvation, wasn't just about people, mm -hmm. but when he would come again, what even would be happening in the land. Mm. And that, that kind of, it's a great segue into what we're talking about here because oftentimes throughout the scriptures, the, the Messiah was was also synonymous with Israel itself. and Or the king would be synonymous with the ruler itself or with the land itself. We see this even today. You know, people think of, of America and they will think of our current sitting presidents. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. That's how they see things. Uh, it's the healing place. People will look at the healing place and they'll think, Pastor Scott, because you're the one leading it. And so we see that take place, and that takes place even within some um, passages, within some prophetic passages about uh, not just Israel, the land, but Messianic, Jesus himself. So Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now that in the natural speaks to the idea of uh, Israel being a child, young young Israel being in captivity in, in Egypt with Pharaoh and Moses, all that kind of stuff, that speaks to that. But this also speaks to Jesus, 
the Messiah today. Um, um, going to Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 23. We're not going to read that here today, but Jesus and his family, after um, there was basically a call to, to murder all the firstborn son, all the children in the land, which again sounds very similar to a, a certain story about Moses, yep. fled to Egypt for safety. And after a time period, God says, all right, leave, come out of Egypt and come into the Nazareth where I have you. And this is the journey that Jesus's family had to take, fulfilling this prophecy. Which even you can go all the way back to Joseph mm-hmm. and Joseph being in Egypt. Yeah. And then providing for his own family mm-hmm. lineage again. And so, you know, who's his dad? Well, his dad was a pretty key player in all this. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a key player. Well, where did Joseph provide for him? In Egypt. God provided a Goshen in Egypt, a place of safety, even in a place of harm, mm. captivity, but a place of safety. And then he called them out. So we know that even like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, well, who did Jacob become known as? Israel. Mm. I mean, it's <laughs> all of it is tied together. Right. And the Old Testament, man, I, I never understand this. Of how it's like, oh, we're all New Covenant, New Testament, the Old Testament. No, the Old Testament is confirming what you're living in. You better know it. Exactly. You better know that Joshua taking them across the the Jordan River is a type and a shadow of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why it's Yeshua. Mm. Not Joshua, not Jesus, <laughs> Yeshua. Right. Right? So that is a type and a shadow of Jesus providing us a promised land, calling us to a promised land, crossing over, salvation, mm. going through waters, passing through waters, born of the Spirit, born of water, blood, all that stuff. Right. Like when you think of Moses, that is a type and a shadow of Jesus. When you think of Noah, that is a type and a shadow of Jesus. When you think of David, it's a type and a shadow of Jesus. Right. We are not fighting Goliath. We needed a mediator, <laughs> right. an advocate, mm-hmm. somebody who would stand in and defend us. Right. Well, we know that we're not our defender. The Lord is our defender. The mm. battle is not ours. The battle is mine, says the Lord. Right. All these types and shadows, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob becoming Israel. Now there's this covenant promise that's been given through this grandson or through this child. There's a covenant promise that's coming through. The covenant promise came through the only begotten Son of God. I mean, it's like... All of this stuff ties together, Mm -hmm. and I think so many times we become so intellectual in it Mm -hmm. that we miss the the absolute confirming prophetic encouragement that the Word of God gives us, Mm -hmm. that God is in control of my life, Mm -hmm. that I've made God too small, I've tried to put too many limitations on God. I can take something from this passage. No, I'm not Nehemiah. No, I'm not David. I'm not Hosea. I'm not Micah. But God is speaking to me through his word because it wasn't just a prophecy for that one moment, but it was for the future, and it was for the future future, and it was for an eternal future. Right. Ooh. I'm jacked, man. I can tell. Sunday's going to be great at the healing jacked. place. <laughs> I am jacked, dude. This is good, man. And this is really what, not just this season, but this is what the, the mindset of Christmas should be. It right. shouldn't just be a babe in a manger. Right. Because that's not what it just was. Right. It was so much more. It was thousands of years of prophetic utterances 
leading to yeah. thousands of years yeah. of prophetic utterances until Jesus comes back. Exactly. Oof. So, hey, if you guys are listening to the end of this, first off, welcome. Uh, you guys are champions for walking through this and not having your, your head just explode with everything that's came out. Because there's so <laughs> much. It. There's so much here that we want to encourage you guys to dive. Guys, dive deep. Be open, encouraged, man. Open your own Bible and read it. If you don't have one, reach out to us. We'll get you a Bible somehow. Yeah. But listen, there's so much more that we can unpack here. And there are so many more verses about Jesus and his life and who he is that he fulfills. These are just the ones that we kind of, we found that highlight his birth. Yep. And so we want to encourage you to reflect on this uh, over the next couple of weeks. Join us next week as uh, it's going to be kind of a special episode. Uh, Pastor Scott's going to take on the role more of Pop, Papa uh, Scott. And uh, <laughs> he's going to read us the, uh, the Christmas story. The scriptural Christmas story here. Yeah. Um, there's not a little drummer boy, so um, it's, it's this is the actual Bible here, and uh, I can't listen to Rumpa Pump Pump anymore, <laughs> dude. I'm just I'm tapped out, man. I have some friends that like legitimately that heart that song just touches their heart special, and I, you know that's good for them. Um, but that being but said, but when they start playing in October, man, <laughs> just is toast. I give you that. I give you that. But hey, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, join us next week, and you know maybe um, you, your church isn't meeting this Sunday, or not this Sunday, but uh, well, this Sunday, but on Christmas morning. By the way, a child was shivering in the cold. Can we not bring him silver and gold? Can we bring him a coat or a blanket or like an electric blanket or something? Please, please. Clothe that child. Warm that child You're up. You stole that song. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, I mean, it's been pretty heavy today, so I just good. wanted to add a little yeah, yeah. levity. It's good. We need that. As you know, I've been flowing in this goofy face yeah. for two days now. I so, see that. <laughs> and I don't even have my orange shoestrings on. Oh. By the way, if you don't know that story, just... Email us at mediahub at thpshreveport.com. We'll get it to you. Dallas will let you know about the orange yeah. shoestrings. Absolutely. But hey, for us, like if on Christmas Day, you guys don't have a church and your church is meeting. Uh, if you're in the Shreveport area, come hang out with us. 8957 Kingston Road, Shreveport, Louisiana. Or check out the podcast coming out next week for the Midweek Move. Uh, well, obviously check out our online broadcast of it. But again, Pastor Scott's going to be walking us through Christmas story. And I think that that would be a great time for you guys if you're not gathering with other people. So gather your kids, gather your family, and, and worship the Lord through this matter. Because what we just did was worship. Yep. Diving into the Word was worship. Yep. This was theology. This was understanding the Word of God. This is this is what we do as Christians. Pointing everything to Jesus. Absolutely. Yep. So, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, have a great week. <laughs>